turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. I'm so glad you joined me on the program, Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program that uh, we get to take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God. We talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible, we talk about worldviews, and we talk about world religions. And of course, we talk about the past, which includes the subject of history. We talk about the future, which includes the subject of prophecy. But every once in a while, we also talk about the here and the now. We talk about contemporary culture, if you want to use that term. And uh, again, we invite you to call at 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. One of the interesting things that I was, um, I don't very often get to go to the movies. Um, I don't very often, you know, get to see movies on the big screen. But I did watch a movie not too long ago. And on one of the previews, they had a film, I guess it's being um talked about with uh, Bob Marley. And what's interesting about that film and that person, um, obviously his music was fairly, not fairly, really influential um, decades ago. And his music really is, dare we use the term, spiritual in nature. In, in other words, he he sings about freedom and he sings about God. And it's interesting to me that people ask the question about Rastafarianism, which was the religion of Bob Marley. And so I thought I would give you guys a little bit of a a hint about what is Rastafarianism and how did it come about, what do they believe, that kind of thing. So again, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. But if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. And... Um, When when I was thinking about that, I was wondering if I should talk specifically about Rastafarianism or is the is the Rastafarian Rasta God Yah the same as the Christian God? And so I think I'll start a little bit with both, but Rastafari or Rasta is a religious movement that originated in Jamaica. 
in the 1930s. And of course, Bob Marley, being from Jamaica, was, even though he was born, if you will, and raised Catholic, apparently he converted to Rastafarianism. And Rastafarianism takes elements of the Bible, the Old Testament, and then combines them with the ideology of a person named Marcus Garvey and the belief that Haile Selassie I, the emperor of Ethiopia, was the second advent of the Messiah. And so in in Rastafarian thinking, um, the Rastafarians believed that the emperor uh, Haile Selassie was God. Now what's interesting is they have a diaspora, and the dia- so that is Babylon, people who aren't, and Ethiopia is the promised land. And so Rasta takes its term for God, Yah, from the King James Version translation of Psalm 89.4, which reads in part, Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. And of course, Yah is transliterated J-A-H. And so the name for God in the verse is a shortened version of what's called the Tetragrammaton, that Y-H-W-H, which is usually transliterated Yahweh or Jehovah. But in the King James Version of the Bible, it's translated Big L, Big O, Big R, Big D, Lord. So in Psalm 68, verse 4, the King James Version translators chose to translate the word as Yah instead of Y-H-W-H, just Yah. So so the name is certainly a biblical name for God. However, a group's use of a biblical name for God doesn't always guarantee that the group is biblical. So just because Rasta's um, apply a biblical name to their little G-O-D doesn't mean that they're worshiping the big G-O-D. The big, when I use the capital, I mean the, the revelation of the God of the Bible. So different individuals may be named George, but that doesn't mean they're all the same person. Or different people might be named James, but that doesn't mean they're all the same person. And so the god Rasta refers to as Yah. In their worldview, Yah is not triune. He does not provide eternal salvation. Neither did the man they claim to have been the returned Messiah rule the whole earth or bring perfect peace to the world. Like it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So the religious practices of Rastafari draws from elements of Judaism. It draws from elements of Christianity But I'm going to suggest to you the Yah of Rastafarianism, again, is not the God of the Bible whom Christians put their trust for 
or salvation in. So, um, you know, obviously, when you think about Rastafarian, you know, you see Bob Marley, you see typical images of dreadlocks, long braids or natural locks of hair, ganja, um, marijuana. So in Rastafarianism, you know, you get lots of people uh, like Bob Marley. Um, so Rastafarians have no universally acknowledged leaders, uh, no universally agreed upon defining principles. <laughs> and it's a black consciousness movement. And so you might think of it as Afro-Caribbean. And there's a split between the religion and its accompanying social consciousness. Um, and so people can appreciate what Rastas are trying to do socially while not embracing the religion. So there is just like other religions where whether it's Judaism or Islam or or pick whatever religion you want do they engage in social outreaches well yeah is it good to give people a clean cup of water and food and a place to live the answer is yes but I'll talk a little bit more when we come back 303-873-1935. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number is 303-873-1935 if you want to join me on the program. And again, I was talking about uh, a film that's been released uh, about Bob Marley. And of course, Bob Marley popularized... Not just reggae music, but the religion called Rastafarianism. And I've been talking a little bit about the Rastafarian religion. And of course, um, I pointed out that Rastafarians have no universally acknowledged leaders, uh, they don't have universally agreed upon defining principles. Uh, People who are knowledgeable and who um, write about, think about world religions and religious movements think of Rastafarianism both as a religion but as a black consciousness movement, Afro-Caribbean movement that includes elements of religion, elements of social consciousness. And so the movement takes its name from the title, Ras. Tafare, so R-A-S, Tafare, T-A-F-A-R-I. In the Ethiopian language, which is Amarek, Ras means head and prince, or it can mean head or prince or field marshal. And Tafare means to be feared. So Ras Tafare means the prince or the head who is to be feared. And so within the system of Rastafarianism, the term is a reference most particularly to a person named Rastafare Makonin, who became the Ethiopian emperor Haile Selassie I. Now that's his Christian baptismal name. 
upon his coronation in 1930 when Selassie was uh, lauded as the Lion of Judah, elect of God, king of kings. This sort of sent a shockwave through Afro-Caribbean culture. And in the streets of Kingston, Jamaica, preachers like Joseph Hebert started declaring that Haile Selassie was the long-awaited Messiah, that he was the second coming of Christ. And thus was born one track of Rastafari, which which looked to, to Haile Selassie as the living God and black Messiah who would overthrow the existing order and then usher in a reign of black people. Another track of Rasta has sprung up alongside what we might call the messianic track. So there are parallels. Not every single Rastafarian believes exactly what every other Rastafarian believes. So so you've got the messianic track, and you've got a group that traces its roots to a person named Leonard Percival Howell. And he, again, just like Rastafarianism incorporated elements of Judaism and Christianity, this particular person, Leonard Percival Howell, started to include elements of Hinduism. So sometime in the early to mid-30s, Howell produced a 14-page pamphlet called The Promised Key, which laid the groundwork for a second track within Rastafarianism, influenced by Hinduism and Rosicrucianism. Now, Hinduism, obviously a world religion. Rosicrucianism um, is another group. Let me just digress just for a moment. Um, The Rosicrucian Fellowship, they have a couple of locations, including in Oceanside. And when I was a kid in, in in, in San Jose, California, I remember visiting their headquarters in San Jose. And um, the earliest authentically Rose, Rosicrucianism means the Rosy Cross. The writings come from the 17th century. And like other religious groups, it's syncretistic, which means it combines, borrows, amalgamates ideas and beliefs from a number of different religions uh, but basically, according to Rosicrucianism, um, Jesus was born of Gentile parents. He didn't die on the cross. He didn't ascend into heaven. He retired to a monastery in Carmel to carry out his secret mission with the apostles. And so their view of salvation is very odd. Rosicrucianism denies that a person must trust Jesus as the Savior. Their system is one of self-effort. Their motto is try. So back to, you know, Rastafarianism and the different tracks. So many of the leaders in that track were also influenced by Freemasonry and Freemasons. So the result is this sort of Rastafarian pantheism that looks for, quote, the lion spirit in each of us, the Christ spirit, unquote. So a summary of Rastafarian theology, as as evidenced um, in the pantheistic track, 
is the belief that God is man and man is God. So that isn't historical biblical Christianity. It isn't even monotheism as we understand it. It is a type of pantheistic expression. So their salvation is earthly. Human beings are called to celebrate and protect life. That the spoken word as a manifestation of the divine presence and power can both create and bring destruction. In their view, sin is both personal and corporate. And that Rasta brethren are the chosen people who manifest God's power and promote peace in the world. So both of those tracks, the kind of one that's more influenced by Judaism and Christianity, and then another one that has elements of Hinduism, Rosicrucianism, and pantheism are both equally false. And they're based on the same lie that Satan has been telling humanity since the Garden of Eden. And, of course, the first lie remains the biggest lie. You will be as God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, it says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And of course, he's a liar. There is one God, not many. And even though believers do possess the indwelling Holy Spirit, and we belong to God, we are not God according to historical biblical Christianity. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, it makes that very, very clear. The Lord says in Isaiah 46, verse 9, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. So, furthermore, salvation is not earthly. Another anti-scriptural salvation by works idea. So, no amount of earthly works or good deeds can make us acceptable to God, holy and perfect. And, of course, the Bible teaches that Jesus is holy and perfect. That Jesus is the holy and perfect Son who comes to die on the cross to pay the penalty for sins, and of course, in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one, Paul writes, "For our sake, he has made him to be sin who knew no sin." And so, quickly, just wanted to let you know: if you're sick and tired of achy joints, dread the idea of surgery. You need to call QC Kinetics today. Hey, it's Gino Geraci. And again, remember: the state of healthcare is always changing. The old ideas like steroids and surgery are no longer your only option. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics is transforming lives with non, with innovative non-surgical drug-free treatments that deliver lasting results. If you have knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain from arthritis or injury, don't let this pain keep you from living your best life. Remember, QC Kinetics' advanced state-of-the-art treatments harness and direct your body's natural ability to restore and repair damaged joint tissue it's a revolutionary approach to get you long-term relief with no downtime. Again, call, make your appointment today. 
Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. Remember the number is 303-900-8986. That's 303-900-8986. Avoid the danger and trauma of surgery and harmful drugs. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. Call me, 303-873-1935. Happy to take your calls. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back. If you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. At ChristianHeadlines.com, uh, Milton Quintanilla, who's a contributor for ChristianHeadlines.com, has posted an interesting, interesting article that includes some research from LifeWay Research Survey, where according to LifeWay Research Survey, and this is interesting, it says most Christians in the United States, not some Christians, this is fascinating, most Christians in the United States are moving to another church. According to this study, it says that 60% noted a physical move as the main reason for their change. Now, pause and think about that. With COVID and post-COVID and living in a post-pandemic world, and then think about the um, the fluidity, if you will, um, the, the transience of the United States of America, people move, people move. And so it says 60% said they're changing their church, not because of a theological opinion or a change in opinion. They're just literally going to physically get up and move. Now, so 60% said they're changing their church because they're moving. Another 40% then gave a number of other different responses. Heather Edwards told CBN News in an interview, quote, after churches opened back up, we, of course, went back to church. And I just began to feel like, really, I needed something more. She and her husband, Norm, live in northern Virginia. And they said that they felt a disconnect when they attended a large church in Washington, D.C., They quote her as saying, I saw this at the church where we were on staff, and I see it at other larger churches where you literally can walk in, walk past everybody, and there's the good, hey, welcome home, good morning. There's a lot of that, Norm explained. It says, and it's kind, and it's nice, and the intentions are good, but you literally can go to your seat not talk to anybody, go through the very professional, very well-buttoned-up service, worship and message. There's a prayer. You walk out. You file out. And they say, hey, thank you for coming. You haven't really talked to anybody. You go home. That's it. And again, according to this article, it says, following the pandemic, the Edwardses sought for more community, a smaller church, and sermons with deeper meaning rather than just topics. Now pause and think about that in the article. I I found that interesting 
where people said, you know, I want something deeper. And I'm wondering by that, when they said just topics, if they, if that meant they were thinking about a Bible teaching church where you actually teach what the Bible says, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, talking about the scripture in its context. And so Lifeway Research Survey found that 40% of the church switchers, that they're like Heather and Norm, they're switching churches for reasons other than changing locations. And Scott McConnell, who's been on this program, he's the executive director of Lifeway Research, said, quote, when we dug into the reasons behind the disenchantment, what we find is some of the accusations that we've heard in other settings, that the church was judgmental, the church was hypocritical, sometimes pointing at the pastor not being a good preacher, unquote. And McConnell McConnell said that the data shows an opportunity for the church to have a more outward-forward approach. What does that mean? Well, Pastor Alex Young of Crossroads Presbyterian in Northern Virginia pointed that people leave church due to the church not preaching the Bible, people no longer believing or because they moved to a different church following a disagreement from where they previously congregated. He, it says, all Christians, I think, hold these same core beliefs in common. But on these secondary issues, there's disagreement. And so issues like baptism, church government, interpretation of certain scriptures, other issues. And... Again, back to the article, it says, Heather and Norm attend a smaller church located in Northern Virginia, which they describe as a great fit for them. Quoting the couple, it says, I think church is about community. It's about doing this life together. Now, this is interesting to me because I hear that almost like a meme, doing life together. It's interesting to me that it's become almost like a slogan. Now, don't get me wrong. Well, I'll I'll finish the quote. It says, So we're encouraging each other. We're holding each other accountable. We're there for each other. We really didn't uh, have that in that bigger setting, Norm said. And then he says, and it certainly is not as polished or professional. But that's really not what matters to us. It's the authenticity in the community. And I think that's the key to understanding this article and hence the title Christians are switching churches, seeking authenticity. Now, again, what do you mean by that? What does that mean to you when you're talking about community and authenticity? And I got to tell you something. I know that there's a growing um, 
hunger for community in churches. You know, when I was growing up in the church, if you will, I had heard of community churches, and I understood the term koinonia as coming together. But I think this means so many different things to so many different people. And over the last couple of days, I've also been talking about the one another's of Scripture. Um, you know, where the Bible talks about that we're to love one another and that we're to pray for one another and that we're to encourage one another and build one another up and exhort one another, instruct one another, teach and admonish one another, sing with one another, do good to one another, serve one another, wash one another's feet, wait for one another, be humble toward one another, submit to one another. The list could go on and on and on, but the point being the one another's of the scripture become impossible to fulfill unless you have someone to one another with. (laughs) And so the term Christian community can encompass all Christians in general. It can speak of a rural demographic or a college educated demographic, but other times Christian community can refer to a formal denomination or or the following of a particular Christian leader. But Christian community can also mean a camaraderie of Christians who fellowship together, have relationships together, share attitudes and beliefs together. And I think that this is what creates what many have called a sense of community. How important it is, is it? I'll talk more about that. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Hey, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. The number is 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Gina, how you doing? Doing good. Good, good. I had a question about Matthew nineteen twelve. Uh huh. When Christ is <laughs> when Christ is talking about eunuchs, you know, for the first two he mentions are those born from their mother's womb and those made eunuchs by man. My question is: Is that completely limited to a purely physiological and urological sense, or can uh, men also be kind of rendered eunuchs mentally, like neurologically and maybe even psychologically, just yeah, as uh, well. Again, it's a, it's it's a broad view, and let me. So let's talk about the broad way and the narrow way. In Matthew nineteen twelve, G- Jesus says there are eunuchs who were born that way. In other words, they are incapable of reproduction because of a birth defect. And then it says, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. This was something that happened in the ancient world where human beings, um, men, were castrated literally, physically, 
um, rendering them incapable of having sex. And so so they were called um, eunuchs. Now, so there was a deliberate, intentional castration, which was to induce impotence and remove sexuality. And so um, it was a common custom to castrate men who tended the royal harem. So in the Old Testament, Queen Esther has eunuchs mentioned. So so it can happen culturally. It can happen accidentally. It can happen biologically. And then there seems to be, according to Jesus, those who choose to live like eunuchs for heaven's sake. In other words, and then Jesus says, the one who can accept this should accept it. So pause and think about that for for a minute. The way that I think about the passage, Jesus identifies three types of eunuchs, natural eunuchs, born that way, forced eunuchs, made that way by others. So I'm going to say in the natural or forced, we might think of the forced uh, as people that might include accident, okay, um, some some accident that happens, a car accident, um, and and dare I in our culture and society dare I talk about men and women who are literally mutilated because of an ideological predisposition? Um, imagine to your point, children. Young children, little boys and little girls, psychologically conditioned and then in a perverse way convinced that there's something that they're not. And and in my view, they're... They might fall into the category of forced eunuchs. So I, in my in my view, I'm thinking of a child, okay? who doesn't have right. a fully developed prefrontal cortex and and can't decide if they like chocolate ice cream more than they like strawberry ice cream. And then there are natural or voluntary eunuchs, those who choose to. So to me, the, the voluntary ones are those who say, you know what, I have no real, real desire to be married or I have no real desire to have sex. And and so Jesus says, accept them, accept them. I, I think that what that means is that all of them can have a right relationship with God in Christ if, like everybody else, they repent and they come to faith in Jesus. All righty, and if suddenly, and if one of them, like whether through psychological or emotional trauma as a kid, becomes in a state where this, where professionals would say, you know what, this kid cannot have a relationship with another, you know, uh, the Human opposite being. sex. It would be harm- right. Yeah, it would be harmful for them. You know, can we, it would in a sense. And that are they also eunuchs, or do we say no? They need if unless there's a medical, give me a medical thing. You know, from a urologist that says they can't have, they can't do their conjugal duties, their marital duties. You know, well, <laughs> and I then think, we'll believe it. Well, you know what? Let let's let's think a little more broadly first. I'm going to All suggest right. to you that what Jesus means in part is that people have permission 
to serve the Lord in some capacity, and they can voluntarily choose to say, I don't want to be married. So the way that I would think about this is that God calls some people to remain single and therefore celibate. So the way that I would think about this is that for everybody, I'm going to suggest to you that that's the exception. It's not the rule that most people are called to be married. Most people are there exceptions. I think that the answer is yes. Now, but to your more, more, troubling point and it is a troubling point do we live in a culture in a society that manipulate people and tell them what they can and they can't do what i would prefer to say is what has god in christ jesus called you to do you have permission from god in christ jesus to get married or not get married imagine a person says I believe God has called me to be single, and so this isn't a good choice for me. But the way Paul talks about it, it's a choice, not because they're physically, psychologically, mentally, or emotionally disturbed, but because they want to serve the Lord in their unmarried state. But to your point, is it possible that people are physically, psychologically, even culturally mutilated? And so in, in that sense, that option disappears. Hmm. And so we have, like, some people that will, like, because of societal pressure, do we have, like, see people, like, get married and then, you know, 10 years down the road, we find out they never consummated their marriage. And people are going, well, what in the world's going on here? Well, and, and see, that's not normal, and that's not biblical. That's not normal, and that's not biblical. Some gay groups argue that Jesus was referring to homosexuals when he's mentioning yeah. eunuchs who were born that way. But again, that's not the context, and the Bible never uses the words homosexual and eunuch interchangeably. And so there, eunuchs are never referred to in the Scripture as being in sin, while homosexuality is universally condemned, condemned. in both the Old and the New Testament. But there is no condemnation, I'm going to use that term, uh, for the person to your point in Matthew 19:12 there are eunuchs who were born that way well in other words are there human beings without reproductive capacity and i think that 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 the answer is yes are there eunuchs who have been made that way by others through accident injury or in the perversion of our own culture the mutilation of children mm. So okay. Uh, so imagine a child gets mutilated, and it's a bad choice. What is our role? Our role is to say, Jesus loves you. God loves you. You may not have a reproductive capacity, but God loves you and has called you to have a right relationship with him in Christ. And leave it at that. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you, Judo. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for your call. 303-873-1935. Please call me. Come and join me. 